We are going to be reading um, from 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 1 to 16. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear withdrawed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of, pe- what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Well, we've made it. 2020 is now done and dusted. And there is no possible way that 2021 could be like last year. Is there? Feels like a very dangerous thing to say, doesn't it? Especially because already people are starting to to kind of ask the question if 2021 is really going to be any better. I mean, the signs are ominous. If you're old enough, could it be that Mad Max was actually more prophecy than movie, given the year that it was set in? Kind of an ominous sign, isn't it? I hesitate to use this next image but could that be the year that sums up 2021 for us right could it be that in a year's time we're going to be looking back going oh bring on 2020 we do hope for a better world don't we and because if 2020 actually showed us anything if we really learned anything coming out of last year it's that the world isn't always a fantastic place i mean let's face it where we live Life's usually pretty good, and even during COVID, life here was so much better than in most other parts of the world, but 2020 kind of showed us the world messed up, didn't it? We hope for a world where people's lives and homes aren't going to be destroyed by things like bushfires and natural disasters. We hope for a world where people aren't going to die from disease. We hope for a world where people aren't going to be judged by the colour of their skin. 
We hope for a world where politicians serve the people instead of exploit them or lead them. Sam mentioned the, the th what's happened in America this week. It was kind of extraordinary, wasn't it, to watch. I found myself asking, could that happen in Australia? And I thought, no, probably it couldn't. Not because Australians are any better, it's just that it would mean going to Canberra. <laughs> Should we storm Parliament House? Uh, let's just send an angry email. Canberra's boring. We'd have nothing to do once we were finished. 2020 did show us, though, that we're longing for a better world. And for most people, they really are genuinely hoping that 2021 is going to deliver. Everyone's hoping that this year is the year that the world's going to get better. But realistically, will it? We are doing this series at the moment on hope. And this week, we're looking at the idea of hope for a better world. And we are going to see that Jesus delivers. Jesus delivers on our hope for a better world. But not in the way that you would immediately imagine. We're going to look at the passage that was just read for us, 2 Peter 3. And to let you know where we're going, we're going to see one big reality and two big consequences. One big reality and two big consequences. And the big reality is, it's not the new year that we're pinning our hopes on. It's the new creation. See, in 2 Peter 3, if you look up in verse 3 there, if you've got a Bible, Peter is dealing with these people who are scoffing about Jesus' return. Where is this return, Jesus? Gone all these years and nothing has changed. At this point, Jesus has probably been gone about 35 years. And look at what Peter says to them in verse 8. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Now, look, that passage is just so incredibly helpful as we start a new year because it shows us one big reality. It's not the new year that will change things. It's the new creation. So the world makes such a huge deal of every new year, doesn't it? Fireworks, except not this year. Resolutions, except not gnomes. Big dreams for the future. As if a calendar slipping over from 2020 to 2021 is going to change anything. The virus doesn't have Google Calendar. Racism doesn't have an expiry date. A new year fundamentally is not actually going to change the world, is it? Oh, the names and the places are all going to change, aren't they? But come this December we're still going to be laughing and crying about the same kinds of things. We're still going to be laughing about family and good shows on television and hanging out together, and we're still going to be crying about pain, whatever form it takes, and poverty and death, because the new year won't actually change those things. The fact is we can't change those things. We can't eradicate sickness, can we? COVID's shown us that, hasn't it? I mean, we can blunt it. We can slow it down, 
But the disease will mutate, and then there's always another disease to replace it anyway. And we can't eradicate racism. I mean, we can try, we can educate people, but if anything, isn't the racial divide actually only getting deeper? And isn't the politics more bitter? And aren't people only getting more self-protective? The fact is, the only thing, as I look out in this world, the only thing that's really changed since my childhood in the 1980s is the names and the places. The issues are all exactly the same. Because one year, even a hundred years, doesn't really change the world that much. And look, God knows that. God knows that because he's got a much bigger perspective than we do on time. So if you look there in verse 8, Peter says, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. You see, one day, one year, one thousand years to God are all pretty much exactly the same because God's eternal. That's why Peter's not worried that Jesus hasn't returned yet. He'd been waiting 35 years. We've been waiting 2,000 years. But Peter says, what's that to God? A day? A thousand years? 2,000 years. That's a blink of an eye to an eternal being. So 2020 has become 2021. What's that to God? We tick off all the years because we've got so few of them. But the key time frame is not year to year. It's creation to creation. Because look at what Peter says in verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. See, a day is coming when God is going to destroy this world and the earth, and every single thing that's done in it will be laid bare before God, and it will be judged by Him, including us. And look, if you're a Christian, look down in verse 13. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's the great hope that Christianity has held out to people for 2,000 years. That there will be a new creation where righteousness dwells. We really do have a hope for a better world, a hope for a world where there'll be no evil, a world where there'll be no viruses, a world where there'll be no racism or poverty or cancer or depression or temptation or sin. Now, in that new creation... Everything will be exactly as it should be. And I tell you what, after a year like 2020, doesn't that suddenly sound amazing? See, at the end of most years, to be honest, because life is so good for us here, at the end of most years, I think, yeah, no, heaven will be all right, I suppose. But I'm really looking forward to next year because life is pretty good. I can't wait to see what my kids do next year. I can't wait to see what's going to happen around church. But at the end of 2020, I'm thinking, bring on heaven. Literally, I cannot wait, because if 2021 is going to be like this year, if this is the new norm, we'll bring on the new creation. You see, Christians don't place their hope in this world. We place our hope 
in the better world to come. And look, you know, I think it's funny, but I wonder if maybe Christians have become to get a little bit, a little bit awkward about this idea. Maybe even a little bit ashamed of it. For a couple of reasons. One is, when we talk about this new creation we're hoping for, I wonder if it almost feels like we're expecting the rest of this life to be horrible. And the new creation becomes kind of some consolation prize. Come and, and be a Christian. It'll suck for the next 50 years, but after that it's going to get a lot better. It's not such a great sales pitch, is it? It kind of feels like, like while the rest of the world is out there enjoying this, this beautiful world that we live in, they're embracing this fantastic life, Christians are sitting miserably in a corner waiting for the next one. And of course, that's not actually what we're saying. All the way through the Bible, you can see that Christians actually have real joy now. Because we worship the God who created this world and who's a good God, and this God's given us so many blessings. The fact is, when you dig into the lives of Christians, Christians do, by and large, have happier lives than non-Christians. Christians do, by and large, have happier marriages than the world. Christians do, by and large, enjoy better health than the world. We do have a greater sense of meaning and purpose than the world. Why? Well, because we have a good Father who made this world and who loves us and we let Him rule our lives. So, of course, our lives are going to work out better. And so, in one way, we're not saying it's going to suck for the next 50 years, but after that it gets better. But in another way, we are. Because we know there is something deeply broken in this creation. It's sin. God has cursed this creation. And yeah, while we'll find joy here in so many good things, we are groaning for the next one. Paul uses that groaning language in Romans 8. And he says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, so we've got God living in us, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we're saved. But hope that's seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for, we do not yet, for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Christians are people who are hoping groaning for the next creation. And we are unashamed about admitting, yeah, life here can be great, but sometimes life here sucks. And we can't fix it. We're not going to fix it. We'll never fix it. And so we're groaning for this next world, the better world, the one to come. Don't feel awkward. If you're a Christian who is living for the next world, you do have a better world to come. But you know, I think another reason why Christians feel awkward about this hope for the next world is it almost feels like what we're saying is we've given up hope about making this world a better place. So other people are out there and they're feeding the poor and other people are out there fighting racism and oppression and trying to make the world a better place. Have Christians given up? Well, again, no, not at all. But in a way, yes. Christians do try and make the world a better place. We do believe in feeding the poor and fighting suffering. 
I mean, so many of the organizations in our world that do exactly those things were historically started by Christians. The Red Cross, the Salvos, Vinnies, all of these organizations, the list is endless because Christians are fundamentally motivated by love. And if we get a chance to love people, of course we're going to take it. But again, this world is not where our hope lies, even for other people. We're not trying to fix this world. We're trying to make the best of this world as we can while we get people into the next world. Our message to people is not, let make, let's make this world a better place to live in. Our message is, the day of the Lord is coming like a thief. And the heavens are going to, di- and the elements are going to be destroyed by fire, and everything in this world is going to be laid bare, and you can look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. That's our message. And sure, we will love people as we can in this world, but we will call passionately into the next world. And this actually really shapes our efforts as a church. You might have noticed, if you've been around for a little while, that one of the things we have never done is run our own programs for doing things like feeding the poor in Newcastle. We've never run things like soup kitchens or anything like that. We're really into compassion. We support compassion in a really big way, which do child sponsorship, but we've never started our own thing, HBC, Care for Newcastle, something like that. There are two big reasons for that. The first one is, I want us to keep our eyesight, our focus, laser-beamed on calling people to the new creation. And I want us to throw as much energy as we possibly can into that. Because so often, when churches have started aid organizations, there's this irresistible pull to devote more time and more energy and more money and more people into that ministry because the world loves it when we do that kind of stuff. They're not that keen on hearing about Jesus, but they really love it when we feed the poor and they'll praise us for it and they'll cheer us on. And gradually, step by step, we will lose our focus. And there are hundreds of years Worth of examples of churches doing exactly that. And I just don't want us to lose focus. But you know the other big reason that we won't start an aid organization is I'd much rather see us support the ones that are already there. See, there are actually fantastic aid organizations working in our city already. There are the organizations with the skills and the history, and the desire to help people. The problem is not a shortage of organizations. The problem is the shortage of people to work in those organizations. And when Christians start new ones, three things happen. One, we rob those organizations of the people who really can do good in them, the good people that they need. Two, we then lose the chance to evangelize the people in those organizations. And three, We're saying to the world, you're not doing a good enough job and we can do better, which fundamentally is not true. I'd much rather see us volunteering in the organizations that already exist. 
I'd much rather see us go out and serve in Meals on Wheels. I'd much rather see us volunteering at Lifeline. Find the good organizations that our people are involved in, involved in, and then invite your friends to go and help. If you're involved in a good community organization, let us know and let your friends know. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we actually had little groups of five or six people from Hunter Bible Church in all sorts of organizations around the city? In fact, you know what's surprising? Something that Scott Curtis told me. You know we sent out a, a, um, a survey to everyone in our church, most people in our church, about six, seven weeks ago now. One of the questions in that was about involvement in community organizations. And we got, I think it's around 150, somewhere between 150 and 200 people responded. So not a massive percentage of our church, but enough. Of the people who responded, 44% of people in our church who responded are already involved in community service organizations. And so it's not as if people aren't doing it. What I'd love to see is people talking to each other about it and saying, yeah, I'm involved with this great group. Why don't you come and help? Why don't we help them do the good work? And then we will preach the gospel and hold out our real hope, which is the next world. See, the one big reality that people presents us with is it's not the new year that we've put our hope in. It's the new creation. So that's the big reality. But that big reality gives us two big priorities. If our hope is in this better world to come, here are two things that I've really got to nail down in 2021. Number one is it's crucial that I find peace with God. So take a look at what Peter says in verse 14. He says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. See what Peter does there. He takes this future reality, this big, this one big reality that we're looking forward to, and he shows us what's really important here and now. And nothing is as important as finding peace with God. Because the only people who are going to be with God in this new creation are the ones who make peace with him. Because what you see the Bible says is, we're not actually at peace with God. Or we might think we've made our peace with God. My dad used to use that language. He'd say, I have made my peace with God. And what he meant was something like, all right, God, you stay up there in heaven and you do whatever it is you do. And I'll take care of everything down here. I'll get on with my life and I'll get on with following my dreams and you do what you, you do and I'll do me. And he said, I've made my peace with God. Problem is, that's not actually the kind of peace God wants. God does not want to be a spectator in my life. God wants to be involved in our lives. He's our dad. And God actually does know what's best for us. More than that, God's our God. He created us, which means that he really deserves that I love him and that I worship him and that I obey him. That kind of peace that we make with God, where we say, you stay in your territory and I'll look after mine, is not actually peace, it's rebellion. And look what Peter says in verse 7. He says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
when God brings this new creation, everyone who is not at peace with him is actually going to be judged. Now, look, this isn't something that you can say lightly. No Christian could ever say this lightly. But if you're not at peace with God, the tremendous, awful reality is in the new creation, God will judge. There will literally be hell to pay. This is desperate, desperate stuff. If you're not at peace with God, you need to find a way of being at peace with him. How do you do it? How do you find peace with God? Well, Peter uses two fantastic words in verse 14. Have another look in verse 14. He says, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. And you know, those two words, spotless and blameless, are two words that brilliantly describe what Jesus has done for us. Firstly, Jesus can make us spotless. Imagine for a second that everything I ever did wrong, imagine it left a mark on me, a stain. Every lie I tell, there's a stain on my shirt. Every time I'm greedy, every time I do something hurtful to someone else, and more than all of them, the biggest spot of all is this keeping God at a distance. I would look something like this, wouldn't I? Because I've done a lot wrong in my life. And look, most people would think it's my job to get rid of all of that mud. If God's going to accept me, I've got to clean up my act. Stop lying. Stop being greedy. Clean up your mess. But actually, that's not right at all. No, it's Jesus who cleans me up. When Jesus died for me, it's as if he hosed me down. And he washed away all of the filth. Jesus, by his death, makes me spotless. And so if you're a Christian, God doesn't see you as a dirty, filthy, grubby person anymore. He sees you as someone who's been washed clean. He sees you as, the second word is blameless. That's the next word that Peter uses, blameless. Because let's face it, I'm to blame for all the lies that I've told. I'm to blame for being greedy. I'm to blame for rejecting God. I'm actually the one who's guilty for those things. But when Jesus died on the cross, this is the most amazing news ever. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the blame for me. It was a swap. I did the wrong things. I was to blame, but he took my punishment. And so God doesn't see me as to blame anymore. He sees me as blameless now. He sees me as not guilty because Jesus took my blame. He took my guilt. Isn't that huge? It really is the best news in the world. I was to blame, but Jesus took it for me. I was covered in spots, but Jesus washed me clean. And so, of course, in verse 14, I can have peace with God if I trust Jesus. As long as I trust that Jesus' death has washed me clean and taken my blame, I can have peace with God. And look, if this isn't something you've done yet, can I say, this is the one thing that you've got to get sorted in 2021. This is literally the only thing that matters at all in 2021. It's the only reason we've got a 2021 in the first place. That's what Peter says in, in verse 8. Have a look. 
He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The only reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because God is so incredibly patient. He's giving us time to trust Jesus. He gave us 2020, but he hasn't promised 2021. He literally could come back in an instant. And so it is so desperately important that you make peace with him now. Wouldn't that make 2021 the very best year of your life? No matter what else happened. If we had the second, third, fourth wave of COVID, but you became a Christian, 2021 would be a cracking year. Because it was the year that you actually had a real hope for the next world. At the end of this talk, I'm actually going to pray exactly the kind of prayer that you would need to pray to make peace with God. Why don't you, between now and then, think about whether or not that's something you might want to do. Because if you are at peace with God, Peter gives us a second priority in this passage. You see it down in verse 11. Have a look. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. See, people, Peter says, people who have this hope for a better world live holy and godly lives. And holy and godly are two words that go really well together because holy means different, different to the world. And godly means like God. That is, Christians are people who spend the rest of their world, the rest of their lives saying, I'm not going to be like the rest of the world anymore. I'm going to do things God's way. I'm not going to do relationships like the rest of the world anymore. I'm going to do relationships God's way. I'm not going to do money and work like the rest of the world anymore. I'm going to do money and work God's way. Same with sex. Same with kids. Same with time and energy and passion. Christians spend their entire lives going, not the world's way anymore. I'm going to do it God's way now. And Peter says the thing that motivates us in this direction is actually the new creation. So see verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. You see, it's this new world that's coming that actually drives us to live different to the world and like God. Why? Is it because we're scared? Is it because I'm scared that if I don't live a holy enough life and a godly enough life, that God's going to judge me anyway? No. No, we've already seen Christians have nothing to fear. Jesus has already made me spotless. Jesus has already taken my blame. On the last day, I will be unafraid. I'll be in awe, but I will be unafraid. Now, Christians live holy and godly lives because we want the future as soon as we can get our hands on it. You see, in heaven, my character will be just like God's. My thoughts, my desires, my habits, 
all the way through my life, God's going to be working in me to make me more like Him. But in heaven, that process is going to be complete. Jesus is going to transform my character so that my character is like Him. And if that is my future, then bring it on now. I want as much of that new creation as I can possibly get now. It's like this photo. That photo is me in 1980. I was eight years old. Look at how high those pants are. I'm surprised I could even walk, let alone run. Can you tell the one thing I was desperate to be when I grew up? I was desperate to play football. My dad actually played a bit of first grade football in Sydney. And I was desperate to be exactly like him. So I wanted as much of that reality as I could get my hands on. I wanted to dress like a footballer. And I wanted to eat like a footballer. And I wanted to carry the ball like a footballer. I wanted to pull my pants up really high like a footballer. Because I knew the future I was dreaming of. I knew my hope. And I wanted as much of that hope right now as I could get my hands on. If you're a Christian, that's you. In heaven, you will finally be different. You'll be different to what you are now, and you'll be different to the world, and you'll finally be just like your God. So Peter says, get started on that now. Be as different to the world in 2021 as you can possibly be, and as much like God as you can be now. And Peter says, in fact, Peter says, as you do that, you will actually speed the coming of this new world. So look in verse 12. He says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, in some weird way, as Christians live holy and godly lives, as we look forward to it, we actually speed the coming. It doesn't really say how. Maybe it's our prayers. Maybe it's our longing. We long for this new creation. But somehow, as we cling to that future and bring it into the present, we speed Jesus' return. And so here is the one thing to look forward to in 2021. Be more like your God. That's the better world you're looking forward to in 2021. If you don't get the promotion this year, but you do become more like your God, well, you have made 2021. If you don't travel outside of New South Wales in 2021, but you live a holy and godly life, you've nailed 2021. If you don't lose the 10 pounds, but become more like your God, then you have nailed 2021. Because you'll have brought that new, better world into the present. Christians aren't hoping for a better, a better year. We're hoping for a better creation. And we want that creation to start right now inside us. So what's it going to look like? What aspect of God's character are you wanting to cultivate in your life in 2021? What way at the moment would you say, well, actually, on the measure of things, I'm kind of more like the world in this part of my life than I am like my God? Is it gentleness? That actually you're more like the brutal world than you are like your gentle father? Is it patience? You're more like the impatient world than you are like your God. 
who is holding back his judgment? Is it prayerfulness? Is it generosity? If you're a Christian, as you look honestly and sincerely at your life, how is it that in 2021 you want to become less like the world and more like your God? Is it the way you make and spend your money? Is it your sex life? Tell you, wouldn't it be brilliant to sit down on the 31st of December this year and to go, you know, 2021 was the absolute best year of my life, hands down. Because it was the year I finally got serious about dealing with my anger. It was the year I finally put aside porn and I'm done with it. It was the year I finally began to be generous. Wouldn't it be amazing to look back and go, you know, 2021 was the best year of my life. Why not commit to a couple of simple things this week? A prayer and a cup of coffee. Will you commit to praying one prayer, if you're a Christian, for the rest of this week? Every day, will you say, God, please show me how you want me to become more like you in 2021? And then read your Bible, talk to people, and think deeply about it every day for the next week. And let God speak into your life. And then at the end of the week, will you take 15 minutes, half an hour with a cup of coffee and just write down how you think God wants you to change this year? Maybe one thing, maybe two things. And then ask God to help you to do it. I've done that for the last couple of weeks. And I tell you, it's actually been a fantastic couple of weeks because God really has, through the lips of other people and through my conscience and just through his word, Show me how he wants me to change from being less like the world, being more like the world, to becoming more like him. I think 2020 is going to be, 2021 is going to be a cracking year. I'm about to pray. I'm going to start with the prayer to get that first big priority right about getting peace with God. And then I'll finish with becoming more like God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a good God. Thank you for creation. Thank you that even in what for so many people is the hardest year of their lives, we've seen so many signs of your mercy. We thank you that here in Newey, we've been barely touched by COVID. We thank you that you have been so good. And we acknowledge that the kind of peace we want to make with you isn't a real peace at all. It's a peace that shuts you out of your rightful place in our lives. A peace that puts us in the driver's seat. A peace that treats you like you're irrelevant instead of like you're our God. We acknowledge that we're to blame for this and that it's a blemish on our character. And we thank you that Jesus has taken the blame in our place. Thank you that Jesus washes us clean. Thank you that we can be at peace with you.
We choose to do that. And we thank you, God, that we have a hope of a new creation. We thank you that our hope is not in rehabilitating this world. It's in going to the new world. And we pray that we might do what good we can here, but constantly point our hope and our, our joy in the new world. And we pray for that new world to be alive in us now. We pray that we might live holy and godly lives different to the world and more like you. And please, this week, show us what that means. As people talk to us, as we open our minds and hearts, and as we open your word, please show us how you want us to be less like the world and more like you. Amen.